You know, it's so great to see uh, everyone here today. You know, I remember several months back when we only had 15 people in the church. And just the difference we have now today with everyone here. So just to know that you are welcome and you're loved here in this place. And there was a priest once who was speaking to children in the classroom. And he wanted to kind of quiz them about the biblical foundations for the sacraments. That they had been learning a little bit about it already. And so the priest came into class and said, All right, kids, uh, we're going to learn about the sacraments. And where do you find baptism in the Bible? And then little Susie, she raised her hand. She says, This is the Gospel of Matthew. Go, therefore, make all disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Father said, Good job, Susie. Then he said, Okay, where do we find the sacrament of reconciliation? A little bit of a pause. Then little Jack, he put his hand up. He said, that's in the Gospel of John. You forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. All right, good job, Jack. Okay, this might be a tricky one. Where do you find the sacrament of marriage in the Bible? And there was silence among the kids. And then little Johnny, she basically put his hand up. It's always Johnny, you know. He says, Father, I think I know where it is. It's when Jesus is on the cross and he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. <laughs> you know, those who are married, they're like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's a, there's in a way a beauty and, and joy to marriage, but then there's a, a blissful naivete about the difficulties of it as well. But at the same time, too, this highlights, in a way, how our culture does not know what marriage is, you know? In a way, they, they echo those words. They do not know what they do. You know, I, uh, what I want to do today is that I want to go through the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. And that is a difficult reading. But I think if we understand it in light of who God is and who He's called to us to be, and it actually makes a lot of sense. It's actually one of the most beautiful readings about marriage. See, because if we understand marriage, we understand the mystery of God. And if we understand the mystery of God, we understand more of what marriage is. And so the question is, why did God create marriage? Many weeks ago, I said that God created marriage because it revealed his desire to marry us, right? That's one of the reasons why God created marriage. It's, it's in a way an analogy to help us understand God's faithful and enduring love for us. But at the same time, marriage reveals our deepest and fundamental identity. You see, in the book of Genesis, we heard that phrase, right? When God's creating humanity, it says, let us make man in our image and likeness. And so normally we've understood that individually, that individually I image God, right? Because I have an intellect and I have a will, and I, I image God in that way. But St. John Paul too, he says that we image God more than just individually. We image Him in His likeness communally. And so the love between a husband and the wife, in a way, reflects the mystery of God. It's a deep mystery of who he is. And in fact, in that nuptial union, 
there's a profound mystery. You know, St. John Paul II says that the body is alone capable of making visible the invisible. The body is called, he says, to transfer into the visible reality of the world the invisible mystery hidden in God from time immemorial. That's profound. Our bodies reveal the mystery of God hidden in time from all immemorial. And so, in a way, no wonder we're confused about God because we're confused about the meaning of our bodies. We're confused, therefore, about the meaning of marriage. You know, I kind of looked up, you know, what are the shortest celebrity marriages? And it's not to condemn them or anything, but, you know, I thought it was Kim Kardashian at 72 days, but in fact, the shortest celebrity marriage is 56 hours. Not 56 days, 56 hours. See, our, our culture is kind of confused, in a sense. It wants to live out this love, but at the same time, it finds it difficult. You know, at the same time, though, I was speaking to a young man who was preparing for marriage, and then I asked him about, you know, what is love? And when I asked him that, you know, I expected him to say something about, you know, love is a you know, really strong feeling, right? But then he said, love is this beyond words. You know, it's unexplainable. It's out of this world. And then his eyes like, opened wide, and it's like heaven was opening up before him. I was like, whoa. He understood that there is a mystery and a transcendence to love and to marriage. And it truly is present there. And so what Jesus did was he came, because we were confused about the meaning of our bodies, he came to reveal who God is and therefore to reveal ourselves. And so Jesus on the cross reveals who God is, that God is love. He's not this strong feeling, although feelings are part of love. But God is this community of self-giving love, the Father giving himself to the Son, the Son giving himself to the Father, and the Holy Spirit, who's the fruit of their love, binding them together. So God is love. In a way, he reveals that God is a gift. Not just in the sense of, there's two meaning of gift, right? There's gift in the sense of, it's a free and beautiful gift that's given to each of one of us. But it's also a gift that is meant to be given. You know, Jesus revealed that God is meant to be given. You know, sometimes when we think of heaven, we think that we're only going to be serving God. And that is true. That's an aspect of that. But we kind of see it as kind of like a servile thing. Like, you know, we got the palm branch and we got the grapes and we're kind of serving God, right? But do you know that when we get to heaven, God serves us as well? Listen to what he says. Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verse 37. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. So the law in heaven then is the place where everyone will be serving one another. You know, even the title of the Pope, he's also called the servant of the servants of God. 
Do you know why Satan didn't want to be in heaven? This is according to small t tradition, not official teaching, but one of the stories of understanding this. You know, when, Satan, when God revealed the plan of salvation, that God was going to serve humanity, Satan said, non-serving, I will not serve. And so, service is at the heart of who we are. We're called to be a gift and to give ourselves. That's who God is and therefore that's who we are because we are made in His image and likeness. And service is nothing less than the gift of self. And so, now that we have that background, now when we listen to the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians, it begins to shed more light. Right? If we read it according to the categories of the world, then we will be rightly, you know, angry, right? Wives be subject to the husband, right? If we listen to that according to the broken categories of our world, then yes, that is incorrect because the church does not invite wives to this relationship of domination, right? That's part of the fallen world. But if we listen to that phrase, wives be subject to their husband, to your husbands, according to the mind of Christ, then it makes a little bit more sense, right? Because this leadership then is not one of domination, but it's an imitation of the leadership of Jesus, of servant leadership, right? Because St. Paul also says, because we need to read that phrase. Sometimes we just read that one line and we kind of just shut the Bible away. Okay, man, that's, I'm done with that. But if we read it in context, right, it makes a lot more sense because St. Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And how did he love his bride, the church? He died for her. He laid down his life for her, thereby sanctifying her. And so St. Paul is inviting husbands to do the same. And so if we reread that phrase again then, right, according to the mind of the church, wives be subject to your husbands, it's actually saying, wives, let your husbands lay down their life for you. And husbands, lay down your life for your wives. Because that's at the heart of who we are. We're called to be a gift in service to one another. And therefore this word subjection then, St. John Paul II says, is not a relationship of domination, but actually, according to the Bible Church and in the Bible, it's the authentic experience of love. To be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's a mutual subjection. And imagine if we lived in a world and a culture where husbands and wives served each other, laid down their lives for each other. And so today we give thanks to God for the great mystery of marriage, this beautiful gift which helps us to ponder the mystery of who He is but also to remind us of the mystery of who we are. We're called to be a gift given to one another in love and service. And marriage then, in any vocation that you live, is the preparation then for the great gift of heaven, which he calls all of us. And I'll just close with the words of Jesus. He says, 
You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and the great and their great ones are tyrants over them. It will not be so among you, but whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. 